podcast starts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to And Now the Podcast Starts, second in a series of three preview episodes about Grimfest, the horror film festival which takes place this very week and that you'll be able to access from, I think, anywhere within the British Isles. We'll put a link in the show notes. We did one preview episode the other week where we talked about three movies, and we're going to talk about another three today for the second time. In these previews, I'm joined by the wonderful Ian Winterton. Hello, Ian. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, not too well. I've been better, to be honest. But um, awful of flu, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> seems to be just. It keeps coming back and getting me again and again. And um, considering I'm not leave, I'm hardly leaving the house and encountering other people. I don't know how that's happening, but I just think I'm a bit run down. So uh, you had a cold. Um, Last time we did one of these previews, and now you've got a cold. Yeah, um, I, it's September and everyone's at school. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so yeah. That's how that happens. Although, as we record it, it's now become October, and it's oh, uh, yes, so it has- no- nominally my favourite month, um, because it ends with Halloween. Um, yeah. And it's uh, and for the last three years, it's always, for me, started with Grinfest as well. Grinfest is traditionally on the kind of the first weekend of October. Mm-hmm. It's the second weekend. Now it starts on Wednesday, uh, yeah. which is the 7th of October. Um, and, well, there's a bunch of interesting films, some of which I've seen, nearly all of which you've seen, I think. Yeah, all but one, I think. Wow. And um, it's, a really, it's a really good lineup, actually. There's even more... I've, because I've not been like you, interviewing people about it and seeing every film, I, I didn't quite grasp how many movies are on there. But if you go to the website, there's, there's a lot of stuff. And obviously, it's five days of a festival. And there's, there's lots of movies, most of which have not been seen, um, as far as I know, at Fright Fest or recently in the UK. So, so um, it's quite exciting. So the first film that we're going to talk about today is a, a film that I haven't seen and that I wasn't involved in the interview with. It, it's one that you did. Um, it's called They Reach. So but bearing in mind that we can't review it yet. No, um, it's so you know, hard to not to go. This is a fantastic little movie. But um, it, this, is a, this is a movie to which I am neutral until the review. Um, <laughs> but no, it's a, it is a great little movie. Um, sort of, it's got a, it's got a uh, Stranger Things vibe, uh, I think very consciously. Um, but it's set in 1979, a um, bunch of teenagers. Um, they, ride, they ride a lot of, uh, I think they call them banana bikes in America, but you know, like choppers with the big seats. Um, okay. but, um, but yeah, and it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a sort of scary movie with the teens, very much it, very much Stranger Things. Um, I think you described vibe. it as being Sam Raimi-esque as well when you told me yeah, that. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, there's Sam Raimi, there's some good gore in it. Um, it's uh, basically a haunted tape deck, um, is the sort of thing. Um, so it's, a, well, a possessed tape deck. But the, the main thing that's, you know, which is, it's all kind of cheesy on, on paper, but that's horror in lots of ways, isn't it? But the execution of it is brilliant. Re- they've right. really, they've really, uh, anyway, I'm, 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 I'm starting to review it, aren't I? But one of the main things is I, in the interview, I talked to, I talked to the director, Silas Dahl, um, and Bry Troyer, who was great fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun. I, I believe I was, I'd done a lot of interviews when I, 
when I interviewed them and I was... Those two co-wrote the film, I believe. They co-wrote it and Bry is sort of, is a major part of the producer. He also pops up as the guy in the shop um, right. who sells them the possessed uh, tape deck. Uh, but the real, the real, the real thing to look out for here is the lead. Um, he was 15 when the film was shot, so I don't imagine she's much older than that. Uh, Mary Madeline Rowe, um, who plays Jessica, and she's in every film, every scene, and she's she's for me, she seems like a star for the future. You know, if oh great, if, you know, she she could be the Millie Bobby Brown. Um, kind of uh kind of thing going on but she's yeah she's really fantastic and she was great fun to talk to um all, all three of them were we had a lot of fun because i think they were in a time they were in canada were they i can't remember and i was i was in cheshire very tired it was quite late at night uh and i'd done about <laughs> six i'd done about six other interviews that day so so we just laughed a lot so as you're here which was good fun yeah well let's go to that right now then and listen to you guys talk about the reach. So I found some cool stuff. Why are you into that? Most girls collect dolls. Dad, I'm 13. When your mom was your age, she was learning recipes and sewing. I'm not a girl. I'm a nerd. like the potato light idea. It's like classic science fair. Maybe we need to step it up a notch. I mean, if we are going for grand champs. Don't stress it. I'm already on it. Wow. We're making the Death Star. Yeah. You weren't kidding. Watch this. How do we kill it? You can't. Is this thing ever going to stop? It won't stop. It's building power. Pure light. Organic light. Light of Mother Earth. This repels the evil. We need to leave now. This is Ian Winterton, bleary-eyed at 10pm GMT, uh, on the Zoom call to Silas Dahl, director and Bry Trover, writer, co-writer and producer, um, and wonderful, wonderful new actress, Mary Madeline Rowe, uh, who's, who is the lead in Silas, Silas's film, They Reach, which I've literally just finished watching. So congratulations to all. I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful movie. I'm in the Northwest of, uh, of England, and you're in the northwest of the United States of America. Um, are you all in Washington State? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Or the state of Washington. Um, is that where the movie was shot? Yes. Yes. It was, so it was shot. Gosh, how many? I don't even know how many locations, but um, they're all pretty fairly close to each other. All these uh, different towns and cities. Um, but yeah, it was all. All here in Washington State, yeah. Yeah, you didn't just go over the border for... No. <laughs> it would have been nice, yeah. Yeah, Vancouver, uh, Canada has a lot of good incentives. <laughs> we should have yeah, yeah. done yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's many, a, many a US TV show 
uh, goes over the border. Right, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking of the X Files, just constantly yes. in woods in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But uh, so, what was the origin of this movie? I, I understand it was a short to start with. It was. <clears throat> so like, so I've never submitted anything to, like any festival, uh, and I decided to do a short with some friends, and it was it was loosely based off of our the idea of they reach a possessed uh, it was in that in my short it was a possessed tape player and then it evolved to what it is now which is a reel to reel but uh the short was received very well like people people were digging it and i was like hey this seems kind of cool like people like this idea why don't why don't i just start writing like a vomit draft like a big old pile of notes type of deal um and you know, I did that for well, it took me about two months or so, and then I had this single spaced, th- thick pile of notes that well, there's a story there, but it was pretty raw. I uh, didn't go to school or anything like uh, anything for this. Um, so when I met Bry, he uh, he was a script consultant when I met him, and um, I mean, he still still is, but uh, he was like, "Hey, do you mind if I give you notes on this?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. It's, sounds great. You know, give me all the notes." the the harshest notes whatever just go ahead and let me have it because some people hate that some people hate their scripts like being like picked apart and stuff like that but i i actually like it i love it and it, it allows it to grow into to kind of yeah manifest into something else that's different and beautiful so i was like yeah give me whatever you got <clears throat> and it sounds he did. so sadomasochistic <laughs> no man you're like you, you you really let me have it man you you were that's like the way, that's the way I'm, I'm a i'm a screenwriter myself and if you don't like notes then you're missing out on a huge right. part right. of the yeah. crap you know right i, I feel you Del- del- deleting and cutting and killing your babies <laughs> is, is all part of it that's right well. It that's is right, killing babies. And you kind of literally <laughs> kill a few babies, almost, almost. Yeah. Young people. <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I think that's how it started. And then, and then when Bry came back with his notes, I, I was just like, hey, can we do? Do you want to do a page one rewrite with me? Because your notes are fantastic. Why don't we just do a page one rewrite? We could be co-writers. And so that's and he's like, yeah, sure. And he jumped on board and. Then we wrote the script, the actual script. So, yeah, and it's it's a it's a superb it's a superb superb um, genre piece. I think and it's uh, so when Thank when you. did you and I, and I think another blessing is um, is I didn't realize Madeline was going to be here, so I've written lots of gushing things about how amazing <laughs> your three young leads are, especially Madeline. And Madeline, this is you've you've obviously done other acting before, but was this your first time in a lead? Role? Yes, it was my first time in a, a lead feature film. Oh, brilliant! Um, I think I think breakthrough role. It's amazing, really good. And was it your first time getting covered in blood in a movie? <laughs> yes, I can say it was. <laughs> I was just came and walked all over the set. And he's like, "This needs more blood," and he pours more I know. on it. <laughs> I was like, "This person needs more blood. You get blood. You get blood." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did, and I you're did the gaffer. Like you get some blood. <laughs> yeah, it was as bloody as a Sam Raimi movie or a Peter <laughs> early Peter Jackson. Everyone's yes. caked in the yes. stuff, isn't, aren't they? It's, uh... It was fun. 
That's how we started the day. They just brought out the hose, sprayed everybody yeah. down. Got their <laughs> breakfast, and then got walked through the sprayer of blood. So, Well, that was it, corn syrup. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, how, how, did you, how did you guys get your three young cast? Like, well, Brian, do you want to tackle that one? Yeah, there? sure. I'll talk about that. Um, well, Mary, actually, Mary Madeline could probably talk about that. You know where you came from. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Take it away, Eminem. <laughs> so uh, how I got on the film was that I had known the executive producer, Jason Connolly, uh, from working with him on a few films throughout the years. He introduced me to Silas. And as soon as I heard the passion that Silas was talking about this project with, I knew instantly that this was something I really wanted to be a part of. And not just because, well, the script is obviously amazing, uh, but also because the character Jessica is really strong and independent and smart. And I realized that that would set it apart from every other horror film. Yeah. I knew this would turn into something really good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's I mean, obviously it's, it's in that sort of, realm of uh i guess stranger things is the latest iteration of it but <laughs> stephen king yeah. all those the goonies all those kind of all those kind of movies but what's really good is is you don't just have the girl as one girl amongst a gang of boys which seems to be the cliche not only do you have the strong female lead you have another female lead who's her mm -hmm. friend and it's just little things like that but it's it's kind of quietly radical <laughs> um to have to have a female and then she's got a female friend who's a weird sidekick as well it's it's this <laughs> wouldn't normally happen just it's just yeah. things but it's uh you kind of you know and uh and you know um, eden campbell she's got a long list of credits hasn't she but she she was she must have been fantastic to work with as well yeah the the kids in general i mean like having having eminem um and eden be, have that like they got they became friends so quickly on set like an offset like it was really magical like we we weren't expecting it them to uh you know be able to work with each other that quickly they like instantly were like hey we're pals and even on the first day that they were all together um and they had to do their very first shoot all together and they <laughs> and uh it was actually set a little bit further into the um uh, into the movie so they, ha they, they already had to feel like they were buddy-buddy, you know, like they were friends. And so um, it was really, really cool and exciting to see how, how well they just clicked right off the bat. And it, Brian and I looked at each other. We're like, hey, the script's coming to life. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a real, there's a real, yeah, the, en the energy amongst you, the three youngsters is just, I, won't, I, won't <laughs> I really, that, I really thought please. it was really cool how the three kids, we all had really good chemistry because yeah. I think that's what made it work yeah if we didn't like each other in real life i it wouldn't come across good but we did so that's great yeah yeah no no you can't you well i guess you can fake that stuff that's what acting sometimes is but it it just seemed it seemed like you were having a blast like the whole i love movies especially in this genre when it kind of looks like everyone's having a blast making it yeah. and, and that 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 sort of infectious enthusiasm comes off the screen i mean one thing i was going to ask was because I see that 
you're born in 1986. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Yes, um, I am. And it's, <laughs> which makes me feel very old. Um, but, but so, so like, why, why 1979 as, as this, the setting? The, um, <laughs> you know, just going back, like, and we've uh, going back to when my parents showed me the best of the best with all the, the classics, you know, and, and my mom showing me her favorite horror movies uh, and just movies in general. It's that's when, that's where it started, you know, like John Carpenter's fog, like, and, you know, big trouble old China, you know, um, just, just like poltergeist and, and like, again, like growing up then, and then there's, there's the Goonies. So eventually stumbling upon all these films, you know, and close encounters and, and, you know, you keep going and that's the way they showed me, these movies when I was younger, all the way up to like, you know, when I was like older, they're like, Ooh, this one's a little darker, but here you go. Here's this. And I'm like, Oh, this is good. So it's, it's just, uh, I just love that adventurous feeling, you know, like, and we wanted, I think we, we set out to make a, uh, like a more of a kid adventure, not like so much a, a, an adult, but we wanted to have the adults to be, you know, entertained because they're going to be watching it, you know, hopefully with like family and stuff. And we weren't making, we weren't trying to set out to make like a psychological, crazy, like horrific thing that, you know, is very obscure, but something that maybe like a family could enjoy that I enjoyed with my family when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And that, and, and that's, that's really just to have a fun roller coaster ride. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to show that. My my eldest son is just he's twelve now, and I've just started watching, basically the journey you just described. Right. It, is that, <laughs> right, it is that era. He's like, "Can I watch The Exorcist?" I'm like, "No, not yet." But, but <laughs> yeah, yeah soon, but not I've yet. Yeah, I've shown him Alien. <laughs> I've shown him 1979. All those all those amazing movies. Right. Um. And and yeah, and then obviously, and it's kind of weird because like Stranger Things and it has kind of put him back in the place he gets those movies now and and this is kind of one of those you know in the same sort of love letter um back in time it's to, definitely uh, a love letter with sigourney weaver uh we actually have a poster in jessica's bedroom yeah. and it's of sigourney weaver holding like the flamethrower and it doesn't even say it doesn't say alien on it or anything but we were like if she wants to go explore space and she wants to be a you know the first astronaut of this if so this character jessica does why wouldn't she have sigourney weaver on a poster you know like because that's a very female you know like a strong female presence yeah um so yeah it's a little s side thing yeah 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 no, i noticed that and also the you close encounters uh i just i just rewatched that with my with my son again he didn't like it actually he said it was too <laughs> So it is. It's a slower. There's not enough. I'm not spoiled. And there's not enough gore in it. Yeah. <laughs> but um. <laughs> yeah. But um. And um. And um. Uh, Mary, how how was it being back in time? Like wearing those, I think, amazing clothes and riding choppers and <laughs> and all those all those crazy bikes, which I, I remember <laughs> wanting a chopper so badly, and I wasn't. I never got one. <laughs> <laughs> was an interesting transition period like at first i had no idea what any of this stuff was like what world i had just been sent to <laughs> but after like once i started getting the hang of it i really appreciated like the set design and all the costumes were really cool the bikes 
I, the first time I got on a banana seat bike, I had no idea how to ride it. So I just kept going and somebody had to yell at me, back pedal, because I didn't know how to stop the bike. They were, um, yeah. <laughs> but I really like the 70s and 80s. I really like the music too, like Elton John, Def Leppard. They're probably later in the 80s, but that time period is just a really cool time. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say the music um, is a really is a really integral part of the movie as well. Like, uh, how did you, uh, like, like, there's some really nice, I'm going to look at the soundtrack because there's some really nice stuff I don't <laughs> know the names of on it. Uh, how did you, what, what, what sort of names sort of jump out do you remember from the soundtrack that you kind of wanted in there? Well, this, <clears throat> this, we have a few bands. Bri probably has a pretty good list in his mind of the bands that we actually outsourced, uh, that we found through Spotify and other, other various music links. Um, one of them was the Smoky Brights. Uh, and, and we, uh, it's fun cause we, they, t they, they worked with us. They collaborated with us cause they were amazing artists and amazing people. And, uh, it was sort of like a thing like, Hey, we'll help you guys out and then maybe help us out in return. Um, which is, uh, which is what we did re recently did, Brian, it's not too long ago. We, we helped them with the music video that on MTV, I think it was in German, Germany. Uh -huh. I think it was in Germany. France, but, France and Germany. France and Germany. Yeah. Uh, and then they, they got on Rolling Stones, which is awesome. And we were like, our plan worked. Artists unite. Cause it's, cause that's the biggest thing is like, you know, you get, you get art, art, other, you just collaborate, collaborate with artists, you know, like, and most of the people that we talk to in the film, be it makeup artists, be it like musicians, that's, that's how we tackled it. Like, let's work together to create something cool. And then, you know, if in the future you, you we could help each other out, we'll do that. Yeah, and the, the Smoky Brights are good because they were kind of pulling in that '70s moxie, yeah, yeah retro that, vibe. Were they, that, were they yeah, kind of mellow, the mellow tracks that are in it throughout? So they, it wasn't just the Smoky Brights. Um, well, we did have uh, one we track that was from the '70s <laughs> that was actually yeah. from the '70s. Um, that was by the. The song is by Bread, Everything I Own. That's the yeah. song that you hear at the end. Um, but Smokey Brights actually re-recorded it. And so that's the Smokey Brights singing that because uh, getting rights for that were less expensive that way. Yeah, right. You know, we're pretty low budget. And so, and then a lot of the other ones, we just knew bands in the Seattle area. We reached out to them, bands that had a retro sound. Mm. Uh, our buddies in Hobosexual. That's the name of the band. <laughs> they have a very 70s grungy sound. Grungy vibe, um, yeah. yeah. They kind of sound like Led Zeppelin ran into, I don't know. I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> they, had, they had this good kind of They had a Led Zeppelin kind of vibe, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, the, and then uh, Prom Queen. Uh, yeah, we, we got together with Prom Queen. She, de she just deliberately goes for a, a 50s sound actually mm -hmm. and so she recorded two songs for us and what is that song who shot the judge or what was that song bry and who, that's who? snuff redux and then snuff redux, then snuff redux. that's right yeah cool um but if we were to talk about the score the actual yeah composed musical score that like is a completely 
massive character in the movie itself. That was extremely important to try to, to get that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want synthesizer like 80s stuff. I wanted like John Williams and like, you know, like so I want a Hans Zimmer or something like something that's, that's like feels like an orchestra or something that like brings you back to like, okay, I'm watching like a Spielberg thing or something like E.T., you know? Yeah. Yeah, and you got that vibe that was, to it. Yeah, it was super, super important. Like everyone kept on pushing for synthesizers and, and we pushed against it and said, no, we're going to do like classical stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't want to sound like Stranger Things. Yeah, we got, so we got Carlos Garcia, who's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was our composer. Yeah. Yeah, and he yeah. did. He did a phenomenal job. He's just, just can't. I can't be more happier than than what what came what what the outcome was for the score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you 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 say that you say the budget was was quite modest, but it seems to. I was just sort of saying, thinking to Silas, like this is your first feature, and you've 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 looked like you've got quite a good budget. So. Uh, <laughs> it's so, a low so well super, done on that well you'd be, su- on, well you'd be surprised <laughs> thank you yeah, so yeah. much yeah well done on all the different skills that go to making making the money stretch i mean thank who's, you. Your, who's your cinematographer uh mr james winters yeah he yeah. don't know him <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he is a force to be reckoned with he is uh definitely at the top of his game and Finding him and having his artistry, it was everything to to the process of of making this film. Yeah, uh, Brian. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, yeah. His cinematography is has the perfect combination of subtlety and robustness. Yeah, it was. It was it, he did. He did a good job. He has yeah, a great the, eye for the whole. The whole the film as a package just looks really, you know, from script up to, you know, up to the grading it's just it all looked it's all it's all you know it, it, it looks i don't know what I, I won't ask you what the budget is because part of your job is not to say anyway but it's just uh, <laughs> but it whatever it is you it looks it looks lush and it looks like it looks like a you know a fairly expensive movie so thank you uh, and the and, the, and we, we obviously have got to talk about the effects as well because they're 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 pretty damn impressive as well uh skewering people bathing them in blur <laughs> demon so tricky so tricky uh what kind of tone were you going for because ho- obviously horrors are very wide you know it can be anything from very very broad, real yeah. to to i don't know like peter jackson bad taste right yeah <laughs> I think I think Brian and I we were talking about this earlier. We 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 really were trying to ride that fine line between because we have so we have Eminem, Eden, and Morgan, and these these lovable kids, and they're so great together. They they act so well, and they uh, like they the chemistry there, and they they make it, they're making jokes. And what Brian and I wanted it to be, uh, the contrast of like a comedic moments, but yet there's scary moments, you know, and you know making it not to, uh, too horrific was definitely something we teetered on like we, we weren't sure if we were going for a hard r or we try to keep the cussing down you know for language mm-hmm. um what could we show yeah, what could never could swears right <laughs> yeah yeah 
Um, Except after the director called cut, and then she just yeah. go, go at it. <laughs> <laughs> Help them cry. <laughs> um, shit, uh, I'm trying to think. I just swore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what 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 else? Like teacher trying to be cool now. I, <laughs> I, broke, I broke your I broke your chain of thought. Sorry about that. I know you're just like, and she cussed. No, I was like, no we, yeah, we, we we were we were going we were we were talk we did our unscientific polling of young adults mm-hmm. who were middle school to high school age, and they right. were much more likely to watch it than mm-hmm. like uh, wholesome Scooby Doo or yeah. you know the yeah, yeah. the younger um, like um, oh no, what you're it right. Called? Anyway, yeah, there's a there's some young adult films that are horror that I can't think of what they're called. Anyway, um, oh, um, so we decided to go a little edgier. We decided to push the limits a little bit and add add some more blood, kill some yeah. people. <laughs> but try to do not it. have you know not have sex, you know, not have nudity. We didn't. This mm-hmm. is for young adults. We don't want to. Yeah, we don't right. want. This isn't and we, Friday the we tried to No, yeah, right. And Brian and I were ta- we were talking about we wanted most of the kills to be off screen, but we could show the aftermaths of blood and mm-hmm. we do we do show a couple You got a few you know, relations. Yeah, and, and pa- someone gets impaled and other things happen and there's wounds and other things, but but you know, for the most part it's it's you know, like like my 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 ten and eleven year old boys, they they can watch it. They're they're yeah, probably yeah. fine with it. Yeah. Well, like I said, my yeah, my 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 boys will be watching this. They uh, yeah. they totally dig it, and they totally dig Stranger Things, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is you know, uh, this this will definitely be uh, one that they they'll be uh, they'll be loving, I think. <laughs> but it's a, <laughs> so 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 who 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 did do your sort of in camera effects on the uh, like uh, for all the CGI stuff? Is that what you're thinking? Well, no, no, the, uh, sorry, the, the actual, the actual, practicals. Yeah. The actual practicals. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a team effort. We had a number of people that, that jumped in on that, uh, that yeah. we had a guy named Max Jordan who helped out a lot with that. Well, he helped out me. That was CGI. Things. Yeah. Yeah. CGI um, stuff. Uh, Brown, Dan, Dan Brown, right? Danny Brown, Danny Brown helped with that. that. Yeah. Um, he created uh, like the, the art where he takes the ax and chops the demon's arm off. He created uh-huh. the arms. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we, well, yeah, I think a lot of uh, Hannah, Hannah did. Yeah, Hannah, Hannah Kretschinger. Kretschinger did, did Hannah Kretschinger did a lot. The peeling the face off, that was a Hannah Kretschinger effect. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, so we, we just was a, pulled in our friends who knew what they were doing. and Kind of like team effort. Pulled in favors and we offered yeah. favors. And that's, yeah. That's yeah. How, we, how we were able like, to do it. That's the way you uh, do it in this in the business, isn't it? Is uh... yeah, especially at this level, you're just like, yeah, come come play on set and have fun and and have a bunch of blood and all this other stuff squirting out all over the place and stuff. So most people don't say no to that. They're like, yeah, it sounds fun. That's what's great about the uh, this sort of this horror genre is is the sort of teamwork and people doing it for love <laughs> because it's fun as well. Fun it's that fun yeah, at the same yeah. time. So, uh, so before before I move on, just uh, what's everyone got coming up next? Because you must be pretty stoked with how well this has gone. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a great little movie, and I, I feel sure it will be leading to more things for everybody. 
Um, I mean, especially Mad, uh, especially you, Maddie. I think uh, I think this is this is like like this is a real star in the making. So, what have you got? <laughs> what have you got coming up next? Oh, well, I guess it's COVID nineteen right now, but <laughs> yeah. this has impacted my opportunities a little bit. Yeah. Um, hopefully, in the future, I'll have some more film opportunities. I would really love that. If you know anybody, (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, I just really want to do more acting because I really, really enjoy connecting with characters. And I think bringing someone to someone's stories to life is really important. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do audio, especially now it's all on zoom and well, not on zoom, but on the internet so uh, right so but the great thing with that is the weird way everyone's adjusting is is you suddenly go oh where instead of having to work out who you can get to manchester to a studio you go oh well who, who's available on the planet earth yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, been, we've been hooking up with people in different places and right right you know, get yourself a good mic and and make yourself a little cupboard and then you yeah. do audio everywhere. <laughs> and audio is the future, <laughs> I think. And That's the, true. Uh, and it's so weird because the internet has already made audio big. And now COVID-19 is kind of like, it's taken over because so many of the actors are like, well, making a visual movie is kind of different. Right. But uh, making audio <laughs> um, yeah. is, uh, is kind of a thing. But um, yeah. yeah. And then obviously we've got Host is a big sort of, uh, have you seen Host? On Shudder. I want to see Host. I've not seen yeah. yeah, yeah. All, all of you should see Host because because they just made it from they made it from scratch in six weeks. They pitched it to Shudder, um, <laughs> and then they filmed it on. Basically, it looks like what we're looking at now. Oh, but, interesting. But but, okay. but with yeah. CGI and there's and there's effects. And, right. But they kind of did their own makeup but with makeup artists telling the actresses what to do. And it's, uh, oh yeah, yeah, if you, I mean, it's worth just popping onto Shudder and checking Host out because it's, All uh, right. it's an interesting one. Uh, and it just shows what can be done. If we're locked down forever, all movies know, right? are going to look like uh, that. Yeah, don't say that, man. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. We'll have to become much better visionaries, I think. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I guess you're just glad that you, um, you, you had a movie in the can before. You, it wasn't like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely nice, you know. And we're excited for when it comes out over here, and uh, and um, yeah, just I'm, I'm really excited. I've, I've been, we've been waiting for this thing to kind of let loose and just fly away, you know. Like been, been holding on to it for too long now, so I'm really, really happy. It's just, it's at that point now. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's. I think it's. I, I, I think it's going to do well. Um, have you? Where, where are you up to a distribution and that sort of thing? Or are you? Are you still touting it around festivals? Uh, go ahead, Brad. Do you want to tackle? We're going to. We're about to charge. We're about to launch everywhere. Like UK, we're going to launch in the UK, United States, Canada. Um, and so that will happen in the near future, probably. I don't know if I'm supposed to say a time, Probably but anyway, two. it could potentially be like first part of November. Yeah. So the so the um, U.S. and Canada, U.S. and Canada, <laughs> we know for a fact is November third, and that oh, wow. that we have we do have That's the true. okay to say that, Bri. 
Yeah, but just as long as you don't tell anybody in the USA or Canada. <laughs> I don't know if that's how marketing works. Is that the it's, first it's... you're hearing of that, Mary? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it is. I'm really excited. Now I can show all my friends. Yeah. Oh, that's going to yeah, be amazing. So, yeah. yeah it'll, I'm, it'll I'm definitely really going cool. to uh, recommend it to everybody. And uh, I should be writing a review of it somewhere. Um, Great. And uh, yeah, I, I really loved it. It's just got such lovely energy. and. And I, 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 I know it's early days, but I think I'd watch, I'd watch the, that gang of three people do something else. <laughs> well, you've got that kind of thing that I always say, which, you know, Josh Whedon manages to do, and they do so rarely. But when you get a gang that you kind of just want to hang out with on screen, and that, that right. gang's kind of like that. So, you, you, yeah, you definitely, definitely do cool. something <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with, those, with those actors again. Um, but yeah, anyway, that is enough gushing from me. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to bed <laughs> or the delirium takes over. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you have the, uh, hopefully we'll meet, meet each other in the real world at some point, at a future festival. I know. I'd love that to. Would That'd be, be fun. Yeah, that would yeah. be awesome. Amazing. Cool. Anyway, it's been brilliant to talk to you all and uh, enjoy the rest of your days. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for your kind words. Yeah, no, brilliant. I look forward to seeing more from you all. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. There we go. That was um, Ian talking to the They Reach team, uh, Silas Doll and Bry Troyer, the writers, and Silas was also the director. And uh, Mary Madeline Rowe. So yeah, they sound like a talented bunch and um, yeah. I look forward to seeing that movie. So the next one that we're going to talk about is a, another film that I haven't seen and um, that I didn't uh, interview for, but you did. It's a documentary called The Horror Crowd. Yeah, it's, uh, it's by Ruben Pla, who is an actor in, uh, in, in lots, of, lots of movies, um, but he's part of the sort of horror community through Blumhouse and those sort of films um and because of his access living in LA being part of the community he interviews everybody it seems people um people just just looking at IMDb Lynn Shea, Greg Grunberg, Russell Mulcahy, Ernest R. Dickerson, Claire Kramer, Oren Pelly, Darren Limbausman, Lombardo Boyer, Sarah Nicklin, Mike Mendez, Jeff Reddick, Ryan Tutrek, and Bria Grant, who we interviewed the other day, and on and on and on. It just goes on. They were, it basically interviews so many people who make these wonderful horror movies. Um, and, all, and not just one particular type of horror movies. All, you know, some of them are the splatter gore, some of them are the paranormal activities, some of them are, you know, are like The Witch. The Witch gets a sort of big up in here which is good for me because i love the witch mm -hmm. um, we know <laughs> you have seen the witch of course haven't you then? we've seen it and we did an episode talking about it uh, a while back um yes um, I, should, I should know that i'm more ambivalent on than you on on it i have to say but um you know that's a topic for another time we scared you... the jesus out of me but anyway <laughs> uh yeah i've uh, yeah not me really um it was more it, it, the Witch for me was more kind of, I know that intellectually this should work for me. It's doing all the things, but it's not. Why is it not working? Um, oh, yeah. on, on, on second viewing, it worked more. Mm. But at the same time, I think that it still didn't fully work because on second viewing, I knew what was coming. I would have, 
I would have loved to have sat there. I, I think maybe I just had a bad first viewing experience with it. I do think it's it's a really interesting uh, yeah. piece, and I definitely want to see the director's follow-up movie. Yeah, um, which I've not seen either. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, the horror crowd. Anyway, um, uh, and so I interviewed Ruben. Um, he was a lovely man, and uh, and without reviewing the movie. Um, it was, uh, yeah, we just chatted about how on earth he put however many, nearly a hundred horror people all in one movie that's 90 minutes long. Wow. <laughs> well, no, and um, I know that Stella has seen the movie, so we've recorded chat between you and Stella reviewing mm-hmm. it, but obviously that will be released in the podcast after yes. Don't the movie worry, is... we're not going to review it until... No. No, we can give that assurance. (laughs) We can listen to the uh, interview right now. So let's hand over to that. Some of us are just born with it. I've always, as a filmmaker, been kind of drawn to the weird. We have a rich tradition of of horror. I've been acting a long time. I never thought even for a second that I'll ever work in the film industry. My parents didn't know what to make of it. (laughs) They didn't know what to make of me biggest horror geeks and minds together in one room. These great salons where filmmakers would be. From A-listers to D-listers. This is in my pants. So I'm thinking I'm about to be fucking James Bond. And <laughs> cool community that keeps calling you back. The horror crowd helps each other out. Which is something very unique for that community. Oh! <laughs> you gotta have laughs, you gotta have humor. It's weird saying that when you try to kill people. I will say wacky shit. I didn't know, you know, any idiot can buy a video camera and make a movie. I'm like, I can be this idiot. We don't know what's, what the afterlife has in store. And I think there's something that really attracts me to that. This is Ian Winterton, and I'm here with Ruben Plaar, um, who's an actor with 60 feet credits on IMDb, including, uh, including movies horror buffs will know, like Insidious, Dementia, and the amazingly, amazingly named Big Ass Spider. Um, but I was speaking to him as a director on the documentary, The Horror Crowd. Um, so, like I said, I've just watched it. Um, uh, it reminded me of the sort of horror equivalent of the aristocrats. Did you see the aristocrats oh. thing? With, with, the, with uh, Paul Provenza and, uh, and Gillette, sort of their, their access to all the comedians in the world. For me, it's more like the Aristocats, you know, with the, the cats. cats. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's more like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they all have their claws. I just think more of your access to all these, all these amazing people in right. the community. Right, um, right. It's just, uh, it's like uh, all the way through. I'm just going, oh him, oh him, oh her. That's funny. <laughs> all, these, all these amazing names popping up. Yes. So, so how did how did how did this sort of project come about? Did it did it start well, as a sort of little thing and then snowball into pretty much pretty much i, I was having uh, lunch with uh my good buddy hank braxton who ended up being co-producer on the film and i, I started just pitching this idea to him i'm, I'm just thinking of doing some interviews with some of the people that we know because I, I i was traveling in the horror circles at that time as was he i thought i'd just interview some people maybe on my phone see how it looks and see if maybe you know go further from there and he goes to me how about uh i bring in some cameras for you because he worked at a production house and I go great and he goes how about some lights and sound and we can shoot some of it in my studio and I'm like wow this sounds really good 
And then soon after that, we approached his wife, Ariel Brockfeld, who ended up being my producing partner. And I can't say enough about the two of them because without them, the film would not be what it is now. It just exploded right after that. And we started asking people, you want to be in this? You want to be in this? And they all started lining up saying, yeah, we want to do that. We want to tell everybody about our horror fantasies and our horror passions and, and our secrets and our families and our loves and our first scares. And they, they did it. They sure did it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's uh, to, well, to, to, to sort of a horror fan like myself, it's... Uh... It was uh, a a everybody's got those stories. So, uh, did it, did it, did you record? You must have had so much material. Is all I kept thinking. Like yes, Ian, as a matter of fact, I did. Could have been a docu- <laughs> Each of those people could be a documentary. In there, I have each of one I of have, their movies could be a documentary. <laughs> I have over forty hours of of footage, which oh, I had to wow. trim down to ninety two minutes. Uh, I could easily do a segment on each person. Uh, I got so much stuff. And, uh, you know, if I ever expanded into make it into like a 10 part series for, you know, Netflix shutter or whatever, I can easily do that. But I wanted to get it down nice and tight to 92 minutes, fast paced editing, you know, going from scene to scene, segment to segment and not have it. Cause I don't, I don't like when I watch documentaries and they drone on or they stay on one person for 10 minutes, 15 minutes and they're just talking, talking. I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I keep it fast paced. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you focus on the community. How did the how did the different subject areas sort of come about? Did things just start to different subjects start to repeat uh, as people told their told their side of the stories? Did did the did the same sort of areas come up in each person? Yeah, when I when I put all the footage together and started assembling uh, my cut. I started seeing obviously similarities. Uh, people, oh, the exorcist this, the exorcist that, the exorcist, oh, the alien this, alien that. You know, people start, I thought, wait a minute, we got something going on here. So I said, okay, we'll do the horror, first horror, we'll do some aliens, some exorcists here. And then people start talking about race relations and growing up, you know, as an African American person. And so I started putting that together and the women in horror and then becoming to scream queens. So yeah, definitely started assembling it and seeing the structure, the three, because I'm all about structure, I'm all about tight script. And, and seeing that three-act structure starting to develop and then finishing it off with the horror crowd, how they came together, the Jump Cut Cafe, their clubhouse, and, you know, the, helping each other and that kind of thing. But yeah. definitely, uh, yeah, the structure started really coming together when I started seeing all the footage I had, all 40 hours in. Yeah, the, the, legendary, the legendary Jump Cut, jump cut Cafe. Yeah. It was legendary, yes. Somebody said there was no alcohol. That's to a no, to it was person a, like... Why does everyone keep hanging out? <laughs> well, it wasn't because it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a pub. It wasn't a bar or yeah. a pub. It was a, a coffee house. We call it cafe. So yeah, that's yeah. why you had you know cakes and sandwiches and macaroni and cheese, as we talk about hot chicken sandwich, <laughs> and coffees, all different kinds of coffees. So that's what it was—a coffee house, basically. Yeah, but it was fun. Did you really yeah, was, like that macaroni cheese? <laughs> did, did, did that come across in the documentary? Did, yeah, that, I like that, so macaroni cheese? that was that was my personal favorite. Most people <laughs> like the hot chicken sandwich, the spicy chicken oh, sandwich, yeah. and, which is fine. I had it too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, everybody had their favorite. You know. Yeah. So I love macaroni cheese myself. Yeah. So, uh, and it was, you know, what it was, and it was like thick and chunky. You know, that kind <laughs> that you bite into, and the crust is nice and burn on top. Not uh, the gooey, not the gooey kind, the craft gooey thing, you know. No, no, it's, it's nice. got to, it's got to be grilled. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Comes out of a tin. <laughs> it's no, no, not grilled. No, um, no, no, so, no. so, 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 sort of fun thing I thought to do was your your own sort of subject areas. Obviously, in the movie, you're you're interviewing. 
So, uh, so how, how many of the sort of being part of the community yourself, how, how many of the subject areas sort of um, chimed with you as well? Were you the weird kid at school? I wasn't as weird as Darren Bousman or Mike Mendez or maybe Spooky Dan Walker. Those guys were really weird. That comes out spooky, <laughs> in the documentary. Spooky Dan but Walker, was, especially. Well, seems, he, seems, well, I, he's just a normal, normal guy when you meet him. But He's actually one of the sweetest guys around. Oh, yeah. He just has a real unique gothic look. You know, with the hair and the nails and the thing and everything, you know. About yeah, yeah. It. But he's a sweetheart. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think there's several people there who are like, were definitely the weird kid. I personally, I wasn't exactly Mr. Straight Laced or anything, but I wasn't at their level. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your, what was your first, what was your first introduction to the horror genre? The Universal horror classics no oh, doubt about it yeah dracula that's why i opened the film with that dracula yeah. frankenstein and the wolfman i mean and not just because those were great films and you know the, the scripts i'm all about scripts again i'm sorry but it has to be a great script i don't care if the acting's good or the of the uh you know production value the, or the blood or the whatever the kills if the if the script isn't good it just isn't going to be a long-lasting film and those films you know it's way back in the 30s and 40s the scripts are so tight, and the performances, obviously, by by, by Lugosi, Karloff, and Haney Jr., mm-hmm. so endearing and so heartbreaking. You know, you feel so bad, like for Larry Talbot turning into the Wolfman. You go, oh my God, this poor guy. So that those really affected me as a kid and scared me. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially Dracula, actually, and the Wolfman. Frankenstein, not so much. I don't know why, but Wolfman, when he would turn into the Wolfman, scared me, and Dracula just doing his. Called, yeah you know i mean that that was <laughs> you know, pretty scary but yeah. then i got, and that got later more into the whole alien exorcist that whole era that that and jaws and those that's why i include those also clips from those yeah. and we discovered I mean, they're, they're just the that, the 70s was just so so oh. amazing but for oh. me i'm nearly 50 and so alien i remember watching on a little black and white television oh when my i should have been in my room, and I didn't even know what I was watching. I just yeah, turned yeah, yeah. On it. it turned out to be the first frame of the film. Oh, that's funny. I didn't sleep because I was like 12. And <laughs> yeah, well, that's the perfect age. I mean, you saw what yeah, happened yeah. when uh, Charles de la Zurica and uh, Cyrus Voris talk about Alien in detail how when they first saw it. And, and here's another thing of, you know, things that work out. They both said, you know, my, you know, my mother covered my eyes like this. And he's like... I cover my yeah. face like this with my shirt. They're both watching the, this movie covering up, but still not able to look away, you know? Yeah. Some of those guys are very liberal parents. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Or they needed babysitting of some sort, so they made it the movie. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I mean, you know what happens when Mike Mendez says the first movie he ever saw was The Hills Have Eyes at Jesus. age three. When he says at age three, it you know, cuts to my reaction. That's not a fake reaction. I'm like, my mouth hanging down. I couldn't believe it at age three, but that's what it is. That's what made him the filmmaker he is today. Yeah. In his words, he's, as he says in his words, I, I think that's probably what effed me. <laughs> yeah. I'm always having an argument with my ex-wife because I always show my kids horror movies. Oh, yeah. Now they're 12, 11, 12. And I think it's mm-hmm. time. But, you know, obviously she's like, wait till they're 18. It's an 18 yeah. certificate. 
it's that for a reason. Show them Disney instead, Ian. Disney. Uh, no, I, I, I fully <laughs> believe if you're a bit scared, then it really gets your imagination going. Get a bit scared early. Maybe not three, but a bit scared. Yeah. So, um, in terms of in terms of the horror, one thing you touch upon is is the sort of stigma of um, sure. some of them are maybe worried about or or mm-hmm. or aware of, even if they're, you know don't care about the stigma. I mean, have you, right. have, you, have, you, have you experienced that in your, in your career? Um, or, or do you love the genre so you don't care? Experience stigma from somebody else to, reacting to, to, yeah. to my work? Yeah. Well, I mean, not when I'm doing non-horror work, obviously. I've done a lot of you know, other things non-horror yeah. in my career. But uh, I've only done two horror shows. Well, I mean, I've acted in a lot of horror, but... I've directed two horror shorts and this is my yeah. first feature, you know, venture into a feature. So I haven't yet experienced the stigma on my mm-hmm. personal directing work. And so far, none on the horror crowd because everything that the reviews I'm talk, I'm, I'm being honest, 99% of the reviews are like ultra positive. Yeah. People yeah. Re- 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 seeing this are saying, Oh my God, it's me up there. I, I, I was raised that way. I'm the weird kid. As you asked, you know, I was a weird kid growing up people really relating. And I think it crosses over beyond horror, uh, community because a lot of stuff in the film is not just only horror centric and you know you got you know about halloween everybody loves halloween you got literature you got yeah. women you know women actors you know so a lot of stuff you know dressing up for halloween all the stuff that people you know like even if they don't like horror so yeah that, that no, was intentional it's, it's really really heartfelt and the enthusiasm but also everyone's okay. everyone's very real it's not of a you know it's 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 uh it's not load of you know, a load of elite, uh, elite yeah. directors in their ivory tower. It's the business right. is a bitch, and it's very real. And you meet in a company, right. it kind of, in a good way, takes the sh- takes the shine off the showbiz stuff. It makes the world yeah, yeah. accessible. Like you could get off a greyhound, and, yeah, and which yeah. is what Hollywood still is. You could get off like a all- greyhound and and get into the business. <laughs> yeah, like like it's true. Like our Orrin Pelly says, you know. I, when I've watched the Blair Witch uh, project and I thought, hey, you know, I didn't know that anybody with a camera, you know, any idiot with a camera could yeah, make yeah. a movie. I can be that idiot. And it's true. You know, you just, if, you, if you have, you know, good script and you have a great idea and vision and you execute it decently, you yeah. could, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you got to go for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think cause I've, I've interviewed a lot of people over the years and I, I uh, I think the stigma thing to some people they're more bothered than others because some actors don't like the genre and find themselves well known for it, um, mm. and others. Um, I I remember interviewing Robert England years ago. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know him. <laughs> Freddie. Yeah. 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 Oh, you know, I know him personally. No, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. I never met him. I know a lot of people who do know him personally, but I've never met him. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Lovely guy, but he he he's. When I interviewed him, he'd just come from a convention and he was, he said, oh, I was just been there. Christopher Lee was there and uh, Paul McGann was there, who's like known as Doctor Who. And Paul McGann embraces the fact that he's like, I'm just glad I've got a job. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. He loves being Doctor Who and embraces, yeah. you know, counts his blessings. Yeah. And Christopher Lee was moaning like he hates, he said, I'm, you know, I'm a Shakespearean actor. And he, he is. didn't like that he was known as... Dracula. Dracula. Whereas, whereas, yeah, whereas, you know, people would kill to have his career anyway. 
But then Robert, oh, he's had such Robert a... England's sort of was saying, I'm a Shakespearean actor too, but I grew up on the Universal Monsters. And the fact that I'm hey. modern, the 80s equivalent of a Universal Monster, I absolutely love that. So it's yeah. kind of, I think having that, accepting your fate, counting your blessings, and also loving the genre. Well, we have a, a segment in, in, in the documentary about gratitude, and that's what that's all about, being grateful. Yeah, what yeah. you have doesn't doesn't mean my philosophy in life is always doesn't mean that you can't strive for more better yourself and try to get more you know mm. jobs or opportunities but don't sit and moan and complain about you know what you have just be grateful unless you're like you know deathly ill or something then that's a, you know of course but otherwise be as Shaquette Berenson says in the documentary be great and Lombardo you know I don't get it people you know complaining you know hey you're acting you're a DP you're a director you're you know whatever yeah. Be grateful, you know, and it's true. Yeah. I believe if that. You, if you don't like it, go. Which oh, I've forgotten his name. Which 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 one of your interviewees was it that said the worst that could happen is I get to go home? And uh, that was Craig Perry, producer yeah, yeah. of Final Destination. That's right. Which yeah, is yeah. very good, and he's also very good, you know, talking about being grateful. He has friends back east who make you know twelve million dollars a year, and you know, but they're like terribly sad and because why? I go why. And he goes, because they don't have a, a legacy. They don't have, they don't love their work. I go, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah, everybody wants 12 million a year or more. That'd be great. But if you're like a miserable human being, I don't know, maybe take a million a year, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the job you like. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it sounds trite, but you do only go around once. And, uh, sure. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the, the business is a bitch as, uh, as you say in the film, well, as as he's yeah. in the film, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's an addiction, I guess, and people people make it because they love it, not because they want to be rich. Um, mm -hmm. And it must be it must be. I mean, just acting in general is hard. I mean, I know so many actors, and they're mm -hmm. like, I do the same job as Johnny Depp, you know, I do the same job as George Clooney. It's the same mm -hmm. job. And some people, mm -hmm. you know, some people get paid nothing. Some people get paid millions and it's the same job. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, timing is so important. Luck mm -hmm. is so important. And networking and having the right, you know, associates is so important. I mean, you could be the most talented guys. I, I can't tell you Ian, how many talented actors I, you know, grew up in my professional career, like in New York City, growing up, starting off in my 20s. And these guys were great. I mean, I, I loved working with them and acting with them and they all one by one dropped off little by little. I'm literally the only one left or from college, all the actors in college, yeah. they all dropped off. They all gave up. And I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give up. I kept going and going and going and, you know, booked a lot of stuff and did a lot of stuff and now branching into directing. Yeah. Well, you look from your, from your CV, it looks like you haven't stopped. Like, yeah, I've been very fortunate working for, for many decades. And, uh, I've been very fortunate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just, I mean, yeah, my, my friend who went to acting school said they were given like a pep talk on the first day, saying there's 30 of you in here, within a decade, four of you will still be working. Yeah, if uh, that, and if, within, if that. Yeah, and within 20, within 20 years, if, if, if we're lucky, one of you will still be going. And that's kind of that's what you just said about correct. your own experience. Yeah. I mean, you've got to love doing absolutely it. Absolutely correct. It's, it's, uh, it can be hard. <laughs> in between kind of you gotta you gotta love to you absolutely have to love doing it you have to obviously you know be, be good at it or you know 
I mean, there's people who succeed or aren't good at acting or whatever, directing or whatever. There's always exceptions to every rule. But for the most part, if you've got the ability and you stick to it, and hopefully you make the right contacts and work with the right circles, the right mm -hmm. crowd, uh, you'll get to keep working and doing things and, you know, yeah. grow. Yeah. So, so talking of sort of networking and things, how, how it, it seems very organic, the whole Jump Cut Cafe and the community. I mean, obviously that you were doing it because you, because you just, that's where you hung out, but how many jobs kind of came out of oh, hanging out? I mean, <laughs> what happened is I, I was doing this, this uh, promo trailer for a friend, Mike Mendez, and that's where I started meeting most of the horror crowd. You're mm -hmm. shooting his trailer for no pay. You know, as I say in the beginning of the movie, you never know, you know where it could lead to. So you know, help people out. You never know. Get on a set and meet some people. And mm -hmm. then I meet James Wan, and he puts me in Insidious. Mm -hmm. and once I did Insidious, and door, more doors started opening. And, that. and of course, then Jump Cut Cafe, you meet a lot more people there. You know, people, I mean, as they talk about it in, 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 in the uh, documentary, you, know, you got Wes Craven there. You, know, you, got, you got Mick Garris. You got Stuart Gordon there. They, they would go there and have sandwiches and, and, and mac and cheese, <laughs> <You know? laughs> whatever it is. Or they come and introduce a movie or, you know, whatever, just a, little, a mini talk. So you, you get to meet a lot of people. And you get to it network a lot, and even with the smaller ones, the up and coming people. I met a lot of up and coming directors who put me in their features or whatever. So yes, it was it was a clubhouse, and it was a networking clubhouse, and it was a good eating clubhouse, and a good friendship clubhouse. It was all those things. Cool. So of your of your people in your documentary, how many of them did you know? Did you know all of them beforehand, or did you make? I knew some pretty of much. Friends of friends? I pretty much knew everybody in it. I, the only two that I met in person uh, for the interviews, uh, there were two of them, even though I, I was already in contact through a friend with them or through social media. So I'm not, I'll, I'll leave it up in the air for people to guess, but everybody else has been, you know, people that I knew. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, in person and, and, and worked with, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I mean, it just, um, it's made your your contact your contact book looks uh, looks pretty damn impressive from the uh, from the uh... you know that, that's nice of you to say but that wasn't really the intent of the movie to show hey look at the people I oh, know no no really... no I don't I don't I don't think no no you yeah, know no no you, and, and you look like you're showing off I'm just saying it just looked yeah. naturally it kind of made me want to go I've not been to LA for years but but just that kind of the fact that it did seem like just organically you had this community and it really got across how nice it was organic supportive people are. I mean, we get that, we get that in the sort of festival circuit as well, you know, journalists mm -hmm. and actors and, and directors. We're all kind of, we do all sort of, you know, sure. You know, support each other and just, you're just friends or you go, Hey, you've got to watch this film because his last film was mm -hmm. great and, and all that sort of stuff. So, but how, well, birds how, of a how, sorry, oh, sorry. How, how, uh, how far apart? How far apart are some of these documentaries? Were they sort of filmed over a, a few years, or, or you mean the interviews? How far yeah, apart yeah. are they? Yeah. Well, the truth of the matter is, it was like that. It was oh. once we got going with Hank and Ariel, and we had the equipment in. I I literally shot all the interviews within a few weeks of each other. Oh wow and then started the editing process. Uh, I, I wasn't gonna wait, at the lunch that I was having with Hank, he said, you know, this documentary is gonna take you like three years to do. I go, no, it's not. And then within, you know, a year to the date that we started, pretty much I had my cut already. 
because oh, wow. uh, I, I wasn't going to wait around. I wasn't going to like, you know, postpone and delay and procrastinate. Uh, you know, shot all the interviews, boom, 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 less than a month. And then started editing and post and music and all that stuff. So, yeah. Oh, was, wow. I mean, it's, it a, it's a really, it, it, it's a really, it's a really, I don't know, just, it just made me feel really warm about, okay. you know, every time, every time these festivals come around and go, oh man, I do love horror. And uh, uh, obviously, you don't, you don't go into horror all the time, but this just made me go, oh, it's, it's, there is something, it's, 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 it, I guess it's a bit geeky and geeks yeah. are always the best people. Yeah, <laughs> you're, my... you're right. You, you bring up festivals and I, I want to just make sure I, I remember saying that, you know, thank you to Grimfest for, yeah. you know, accepting this film into, into there. I'm very excited to be there. I really am. They're a great bunch of people. They've, they've been so helpful. Anytime I ask any questions, they answer, boom, boom whatever you need, you know, just really great. And I'm very honored to be there and I really appreciate it. So I want yeah. to know that. Um, yeah, as far as the, the great, great people. <laughs> they really are. No, really are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes, Sarah, you know, Katie and Simeon. Is it Simeon or Simeon? How, how does he say uh, his name? Sim you know? Simeon, I think. I thought it was Simeon. Uh, I've only seen it written. So I think it's Simeon oh, yeah, yeah. from what it looks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, all three of them are great. So, um, uh, what was the question we told about networking? What, what was the question before I got into the Grimfest? Uh, I think I was. You, 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 were you, um, you? You did the whole thing in a year, and then what? what oh yeah. Uh, what distribution have you uh, have you got in place? Well, the distribution is distributing it to film festivals right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm trying to get distribution, obviously, by doing the film festival. So I've been accepted into about nine festivals already. Okay. Uh, and I got many more to hear from, especially for 2021. So I want to garner, you know, a lot of festivals and hopefully awards and then seek out distribution that way. I mean, I already have some contacts in the distribution world, but I want to see what comes up mm -hmm. through the festivals first and then, you know, I don't see it being a problem being distributed. I really don't because I have a lot of people who, you know, know things and know people. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as it is, I'll be announcing it, you know, on, on social media. So yeah, yeah. follow the horror crowd at Facebook and, and Instagram and then follow me if you want. Ruben Pla, R-U-B-E-N-P-L-A on you're social on, media too. You're on Twitter. I'm, I'm on Twitter. The film yeah. is not, I just never put it on, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter as Ruben J, initial J Pla. But, uh, but the film and me are both on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook. And I do all the postings there and the updates. And I talk about other people, what they're doing and the reviews. I've been putting so many reviews from the you know, previous festival. A uh, lot of stuff. A lot oh, of positive cool. stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you a follow and uh, put all the links on the, on the piece. But, um, but uh, so is this, is, this a, is this the UK premiere? Or no, Fright Fest was the UK premiere. I was going to say... Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, this is the second one, but it's still great. You know, I love them, so it's great. Grimfest <laughs> and Frightfest are just amazing. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're both grim and grim and frightful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I, lo I love them all. But um, but uh, yeah, we're coming up to have a lot of time anyway. So uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you. In, Likewise, uh, you, you're in LA, I take it. I'm actually bi-coastal. I go back and forth, but right now I'm on the East Coast. I'm just oh. riding out the storm, so to speak, you know, riding oh, out yeah. the pandemic. But yeah. I'll, be, I'll be flying back and forth. And as soon as either L.A. and New York or both open up, then I'll be hitting the, uh, you know, the auditions for projects and, and so forth. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, it's a pleasure yeah. to meet you, and congratulations. Well, congratulations on a wonderful documentary. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. See you on Twitter. <laughs> See you there. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> Okay, so that was Ian talking to director Ruben Plant about the horror crowd. And now we move on to discussing another film which I actually have seen and I am in the interview for, which is Fried Barry, a South African gonzo cult movie uh, directed and co-written by Ryan Kruger from the, um, and produced by James C. Williamson, who also co-wrote the story. So Ian, you and I talked to both of them and it's yeah. quite an enthusiastic chat. Um, I think even though we're not allowed to review these movies, no. our enthusiasm of the film for the film will come across. Yes. Um, and you'll have to listen to the review to find out whether we were faking that enthusiasm or not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what's this space? Um, so uh, <laughs> the, 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 it's, it's a great interview. It's quite in-depth, but um, let's give the listener a bit of a heads up about what Fried Barry is exactly. How would you describe it, Ian? Um, it's kind of like a really scabby version of Starman or The Man Who Fell to Earth or Brother from Another Planet um, or, yes. or Under the Skin. It's Under the, right. skin. It's under the skin. And instead of Scarlett Johansson, you put in a really weird looking drug guy, dealer. guy, drug dealer from, <laughs> and then probably drug user um, <laughs> from, from, from the projects of Cape Town. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and this is very niche, but he kind of reminds me, he seems to be the sort of uh, Cape Town, Cape Town film community's answer to Manchester's very own Gerard. Thompson, oh, right, yes. Who, who's, yes know, who's, a, who's a friend of ours, um, and and is in lots of things. But everybody who everybody who's seen in the flesh on BBC Three, he yeah. is, he is in he is in the flesh. I haven't seen Gerard in ages. But the first thing that I thought was when they were talking about who Gary is to them. Everyone knows Gary, and you're making a film with <laughs> Gary. That sounds amazing. I'm going to be in that. That's kind of like. You could make a mank version of this with with uh, with Gerard, and and everyone would go, yeah, that sounds insane. <laughs> and uh, but yes, so hi Gerard, if you're listening. Um, Hello, sir. Good working with you. Yeah, yeah, and everybody else, go and watch him in uh, in uh, the sad, sadly cancelled after two seasons in the flesh. Um, yes, that's a brilliant series. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, but Fried Barry is properly properly drug-fueled and insane and it is a cliche but they don't make films like this very often anymore it's, no it, it's, it's it's got cult film all over it it's definitely it's definitely its own thing and you couldn't have made this on purpose and it's uh and if you look at the i'm just looking at the page now it's got such a long cast list because it is for a low budget well it's not low budget in a pejorative way it's it's probably got quite a lot of budget actually it's well it filmed, looks beautiful you know it's, it's, filmed, really... it's filmed everywhere over over i think did they say in over 18 months and, something uh, like that they yeah, shot yeah. it on weekends but it's beautifully so, shot so it's, it's got great of... music as well yeah oh yeah the music's amazing um probably if we review <laughs> it's not um, a review <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah and it's just full of people who all make all make their living in in tv and film in in cape town and south africa and they all 
wanted to be in it. I'll have a line, I'll play a cop, I'll play a dodgy person in a pub, and it's just I'll play a you know, I'll play some I'll play a crackhead who's uh, just just lost, just been beaten up. And so so I imagine to people who watched South African TV, it's even more crazy because it's people you recognise off the screen popping up in this crazy film as well. So uh yeah, but, yeah. but um but it's I'm uh, thinking... without, without without reviewing it, we can't talk about it much more other than to no, say no. it's, it's, but it's, it's insane. I want to say, so I don't think I said this to the guys. I think it's the kind of movie that would make the great uh, second half of a double bill with, say, Repo Man. You know, yeah. Alex Cox's Repo Man is that kind of yeah. crazy, um, almost kind of aggressively creative, odd movie. Yeah. Also, also as I mentioned in the interview, my first thought was um, was Bad Boy Bubby. And I hit the nail on the head because they said that's what they sat down and made everybody watch. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I'd never heard of that film. Oh, you've got to watch Bad Boy Bubby. It's, right. um, he basically, yeah, Bad Boy Bubby, for those who don't know, is, is, a, is a man who's grown up only, only in his mum and dad's house. And they tell him the outside is poisoned. And whenever they leave, they put on a gas mask. And so he goes from baby to to 20 maybe 30 right. year old man living with these people and he has his dad dies um and he has sex with his mum and he's basically it's a very warped film um and then he works out that the cat goes out and the cat doesn't need a mask and then he puts cellophane around the cat and kills the cat because he realized because they say the cat doesn't need to breathe so it's an Australian movie. So all the all the quotable things. Cat doesn't need to breathe, and then he puts cellophane around the uh, <laughs> cellophane around the cat, and the cat doesn't need to breathe. And then he puts cellophane around <laughs> his parents, and oh. kills them. And then he leaves, oh. and it's this and it's this mad film of him going out there, and he doesn't know anything about the world, and he just repeats he just repeats what people say to him in the street. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, you've got to watch Bad Boy Bobby. It's insane. Um, but if you like think, Bad Boy Bubby, you'll like Fried Barry. And something else I just will mention before we go into the interview is that um, Ryan Kruger, all the way through our interview, was wearing a hat which said Obey on it and was a reference to John Carpenter's They Live. Oh, yeah. And it took me a ridiculous amount of time, almost the whole interview, before I noticed that's what it was. Oh, right. um, but he's... <laughs> He's clearly a man after my own heart. Uh, is a John Carpenter fan, and um, yeah, which which are, the music's kind of John Carpenter esque, is it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and he, um, you know, they use the same kind of credit font and all this stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very it deliberate is. and conscious. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, having said all that, let's go over and listen to that interview. Then you don't say much. But you're a good listener. Husband, are you? You're on a mission. You're more important than us. You have to save yourself. It's Dan here, and here we are again for another preview of uh, this 
uh, October's wonderful Grim Fest. I am now able to link up with two of the creators of one of the wonderful films to be premiered there, Fried Barry. I'm here with the writer-director Ryan Kruger and producer James C. Williamson. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us your time. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. And I'm here as well, Dan. Yes, I was just about to introduce you, Ian. We didn't forget about you, Ian. Don't worry. We didn't forget about you. Okay. Um, Cool. So, um, like I was just saying before we started recording, I, because of the way I've been, I've been doing nearly every single uh, interview for Grimfest, which is about 20 of the damn things in the past few days, and watching films in between. So I've ended up watching Fried Barry for breakfast, um, which was uh, maybe not maybe not the ideal slot, but it's certainly given my Sunday a, uh, a strange start. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, I don't really drink very much these days, but I feel like I've got a sort of dirty hangover um, <laughs> after watching that movie. Um, but um, so just to start off, where did it, where did it, um, Ryan, it, it started with you, did it, it as a, as a script for a short film? Yeah, so what, what happened was we, in 2017, I, I shot a three minute uh, experimental film, um, which was basically about a heroin addict in a, in a building and his highs and lows. And that was it, it had nothing to do with aliens or anything like that. And it was just a standalone uh, short film. And that went to about 60 uh, festivals around the world. We started getting all this fan art from all around the world, which was, uh, which was crazy. And it was just a standalone short film. I never thought I was gonna make it into a feature or anything like that. And where I was at the time before I made Fry Barry, uh, I went through quite a, uh, quite a hectic time. So I, I had something wrong with my kidney. I, uh, I had an operation. I got sepsis, uh, nearly died. I went through a breakup. I had, uh, my cat had cancer. I went into depression. I went down this dark black hole. And yeah, I just literally hit rock bottom. And over the years, you know, I've come close to making, uh, making films. And then, you know, a producer will be like, hey, cool, we, we want to do a film with you. And then it will like slowly fade away. So in that shitty hole that I was in, I, was, I said to myself, you know, what is at the top of, the, of my list of something that I've always wanted to do in life? And it was to make a movie. Now, I've got all these other scripts that I could have done probably way easier than Fry Barry. But then I got this idea and I wrote a 50% scene breakdown um, for Fry Barry when I got the idea. And when I got the idea, I just knew it was like the right idea and the right film to make. Um, so I wrote down in three days, a 50% breakdown in the movie, very brief, like Barry does this, he does this and he does that. And, and because of the way I wanted to make it, it had to be the right story. It had to be the right character. And because our lead actor, uh, Gary Green, uh, Fry Barry, wasn't a trained actor, I had, to, uh, I had to build the movie around him. And that's why I said it had to be the right character. And, you know, he doesn't speak that much. So everything had to, had to be on the, you know, on the right line to, to do this type of film. So then I only knew James for about a month and a half. So, you know, I rang up James and I said, dude, do you want to uh, produce uh, this movie? And I'm going to make a movie next month. And he was like, well, have you got a script? And I was like, well, no, because we have to do it a certain way because of this and this and this. 
And they was like, well, why do you need to shoot it next month? And I was like, because if we don't shoot it next month, it's never going to happen. And at that time where I was, I was like, fuck, I need to do this like, like now. I need, I need to do it now. And I had to be something really, really creative. So because our lead wasn't a trained actor and the way I wanted to do the film, it was, there, was, there was only one way to make the film. So I wrote six pieces of dialogue, um, you know, for, for actors in the movie, the main pieces of dialogue. And then after that, uh, the movie developed, uh, you know, as, as, as we went. So the rest of the movie, it, there was still a lot of planning that me and James did and put, put into the movie. We shot it 28 days over a year and a half, but that gave us time to like plan. And even though the movie was improvised, uh, a lot of it on set, it's not like we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. It was just that we, we, you know, we planned every, you know, every single scene that we were going to do, but it was the subjects and the content within the scene where we'd be like, okay, cool, let's try this, let's try that. Mm -hmm. So the only person that wasn't improvising was Gary. So I had to work very, very, very closely with Gary. And I just said, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And he didn't know what we were doing until we were actually shooting the movie. So when he was on set, I, I would be like, I needed that clean slate, clean page every day so he wouldn't overthink it. And it would be like, okay, Gary, copy my face. Give me this face, give me that face. So it helped obviously with the edit. And as I said, with the right story and the right character, everything gelled together and it just, it just worked. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, he seems to be, he must have had a crazy 18 months. Every so often he gets a knock on the door and it's like, new scene. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going today? Um, yeah, it, just, it just seems, I mean, he's looking on IMDb, he's got a list of credits, um, including Homeland, four episodes of Homeland. So, so he's obviously in the biz. Um, is it mostly um, non-speaking parts? Yeah, yeah. So it's all non-speaking parts. So his background, he's actually an extra. So the odd time he's got like an odd line or it's just a visual thing. And, and it's for people like me, like he'll arrive on set as an extra and then there'll be like directors like me where I'm like, fuck, he's got such an interesting, cool looking face. We need, a, we need to feature him. So he's never trained as an actor. This was his first uh, feature film and proper, you know, role. And yeah, and he, uh, it's just one of those things where normally he's just in the background and stuff like that. So it's a great story for him to go from being a, an extra and then, you know, ended up being a, a, a lead uh, in a movie. And yeah, Gary, keep... sorry, James, sorry, continue on. Okay. No, no, so, I, I was... sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Gary is kind of this notorious extra in Cape Town. Like I even knew about Gary Green before I met Ryan. Like everyone in the film industry knows about Gary Green because he's, he's this extra that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in any movie that he's in. Um, and now, I mean, like the crazy thing is that, you know, he won uh, Best Lead Actor at Fantaspoa and he's been getting these award nominations. And it's just this insane underdog success story where he's now like one of the top up and coming actors in South Africa. And I think if you had have told anyone that that would happen five years ago, they would think you were absolutely insane. Yeah. That's wonderful. I think we should say he is absolutely great in the movie. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, gave, he gave 120%. Every, every scene that we shot, he was like, can I do it again? I'm like, no, 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 Gary, we, we, we've got it. We've definitely got it. And it's like, no, no, I want to do it again. I'm like, Gary, we've got it. And we're just so happy that 
I, even on the first day, you know, I said to Gary, I said, you know, you're not here by mistake. You know, you're meant to be here and this is your movie. Nobody could play this movie like you because of your look, you know, it, it, you know, it's like, you know, the character and everything that, you know, I made it for him. I made it around him to make it work. Even if I got the best actor in the country, it wouldn't work because Gary's just got this presence and this look, you know, and nobody can look like that. Nobody looks like him. So even on the first day, I said, you're not here by mistake. Don't be intimidated by all these well-known other South African actors that are playing very small roles against you. And normally, you know, he's like the extra in the background. And I said, you're going to do amazing. Just listen to me very carefully. And I promise you, people are going to love you. And, and the feedback and everything that we've got so far has just been absolutely amazing. I mean, there's such a, a buzz around the film and, you know, going to Fantasia and all these and winning all these other awards and every, you know, the, the people saying, oh, it's a cult classic, it's, you know, it's this and it's that. And even, even like the fan art has like started back up again and everything. And I mean, one guy's getting a tattoo of Frank Barry. And I'm like, fucking hell, that's like, that's insane. You know, so it's just, <laughs> a, it's just, a, it's been this crazy ride and people are, Frank Barry is one of those films. It's like, it's designed to make you feel uncomfortable. It's designed to be spontaneous and you don't know where it's going to go. It's designed that, you know, by the end of the film and, uh, you know, by the end of the film, you know, you've just watched Fry Barry and had breakfast. I'm sure you feel like you need a shower. After <laughs> I've, Fry I've actually, <laughs> I've actually yeah. written those words down. I feel like I need a shower. Um, <laughs> but, in a, but in a good way, it's... Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's especially in a festival like this where you sort of you'll get that you'll get the audience who, you know, if I share this to my mother, she might turn it off quite soon quickly. But <laughs> yeah. the Grimfest audience will be like, oh, wow, where's this going to go? And it doesn't disappoint. It's, yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's it, I mean, it, it made me think of, uh, it, it sort of is a cousin to quite a lot of great stuff like William Burroughs. Um, yeah. Remind me of a bit of Bad Boy Bubby, an Australian movie. Did you yeah, that, that was movie? one of our main references. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, I don't, we, I don't we mean even that. Called, a, yeah, I mean that. I mean, yeah, that yeah, we, in a really good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we even called the like uh, Bastard Barry's kid. We even called Bubby as uh, well. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So there's a there's a lot of references in there from like for me, I'm an '80s kid, so I love my. 80, 80s films and there's you know there's so many references from like you know whether it's like indiana jones and the temple of doom or terminator or aliens and then there's 70s stuff like uh one flew of the cuckoo's nest yeah and then there's uh starman um by carpenter and, well yeah, seeing as you mentioned starman i'll just say this film got me on side as soon as i saw what i'd like to think of as the john carpenter font in the opening credits <laughs> So I can, yeah. can I take it that was deliberate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th th there's so many like Easter eggs in there and so many references to films that I, you know, that, that I love. And I, and I think with this type of film, like the right audience will love it. It's a film that you either love uh, or hate. And the people that love it will love it. The people that hate it will hate it. But the people that love it, you know, they like all those like fanboys and everything. They like all those, you know, those references and Easter eggs and like, oh, this is taken from this film and this is taken from that film. So, I mean, even like Close Encounters with like the spaceship and then obviously mm -hmm. E.T. And, you know, the, you know what I mean? There's so many uh, like 80s films and 70s films and Bad Boy Bobby, early 90s. 
that uh, yeah, there's just so many references in there, and I love that. I, I mean, even Blade Runner, there's like Blade Runner references at the end, with mm -hmm. well, halfway through with the uh, the chainsaw guy chasing after them and howling, and you know, yeah. there's there's all those little little things, and it's oh, just course, like yeah. my appreciation to eighties eighties cinema. The use of color and, uh, and light in the film is very key to that period of film, and I think you've captured that perfectly i think the visual sense of the movie is is just terrific um i, th I think oh, your dp did a great job as well yeah 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 and it's um i think it, it made me think of uh the sort of man who fell to earth as well you've got the tv you've got the sort of watching the tv um taking on this it, it kind of makes it makes it makes earth look like a dying planet <laughs> um, yeah. Society looked kind of decadent um, yeah. and grim. I mean, I don't know. I guess the junkie that fell to earth, or uh, yeah. <laughs> the junkie. Uh, that fell to earth. It's uh, it's, it's it, it really um, was it all filmed in Cape Town? Yeah, yeah. It was it was all shot in Cape Town. It's funny because I, you know, me and James have recently been saying that Cape Town is a very beautiful place, but with uh, Fry Barry, we made it. We've took the darker side of Cape Town that's never been shown, that's yeah, been yeah. shown uh, before, and um, we've probably totally fucked up. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, the tourist. We're not going to get Tourism. We probably fucked. fucked up that. <laughs> People are going to be like, "Fuck that!" I'm not going to Cape Town. I thought. Is it going to be nice. a Pride Barry tour? Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll be the only tourists that come, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. the thing about the the thing about Cape Town is it's like it, we have a huge, huge film service industry here. So a lot of the American and UK studios come and shoot their films down here, and you know, it usually either plays like Budapest or some like beautiful, uh, exotic location. And yeah, we just never seen uh, Cape Town portrayed in this way. And it's mm -hmm. got so many of these great, like almost post-apocalyptic locations. And you know, like we shoot in a lot of like. Uh, dilapidated buildings and underneath highways and you know lo locations like that have like their own kind of interest and their own kind of beauty and it was just something we'd never seen on screen before and something we wanted to include yeah yeah no and it's fantastic it's uh i mean i don't know what what the uh the alien inside barry will what sort of impression they'll get of earth from uh <laughs> from sort of seeing a gutter level sort of gutter level uh eye, eye view of uh of, uh, of Cape Town, but it's uh, it looks fantastic, and it. I mean, did you did you sort of have social commentary in mind, or were you just sort of inventing? Sort of follow. This is a heroin user. So sort of what's the world he inhabits, and now he's got. I this. think the film. <laughs> I think the film definitely does have like a very very bleak view of humanity, but it is that kind of like you know it's almost like this alien comes down with these objective eyes. And, you know, we're not saying like, this is how we actually see the world, but it just happens to uh, that, that this is the kind of slice of life that he sees. And, you know, that's where the kind of interesting dichotomy comes up, where you have like these really, really awful human beings and this alien that's kind of learning how to function in this society. And he picks up some of their, their bad habits and he picks up some of their good habits. Um, but then by the end of the film, he's become a little bit more human and he's maybe become uh, a, a much better human than a lot of the people we see in the film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I always thought it was uh, funny that, you know, when, when I came up with this idea, I always thought it was funny that 
you know, it just happens to be that, you know, these, these uh, alien comes down, you know, and wants to, you know, inhabit somebody's body. And it just happens, sadly, that it's just a bad choice of a person. <laughs> it's just like, oh, we're going we're gonna to choose that guy. He's just wandering around by himself. Let's, let's, let's choose this guy. And it just happens to be that he's a bad, fucked up drug addict. And yeah, it's just a lucky pick. And he, he, they got the wrong pick and the wrong, the wrong person to, uh, to really see life. And I'm pretty sure like after that, the aliens are just like, well, that's fucking crazy. Like these people live <laughs> in, a, in, a crazy, in a crazy world and constantly take all these drugs to either make them feel better or whatever, you know? Yeah, there's a, there's a, lot, of, um, there's a lot of chemicals in the film. Um, so it's just, uh, I guess you just, it's, uh, it's a, it's a very trippy film. Um, just something you don't see very often anymore, but it's a really, really effectively trippy film. I mean, it, like I said, I'm watching, I was watching it for breakfast and I'm feeling slightly discombobulated <laughs> from the various <laughs> yeah. psychedelic sequences. Yeah. I feel um, like we yeah. should say though, in case we're not selling this to any listeners who haven't seen the film yet. I think <laughs> Although it is trippy and psychedelic and, and kind That's of gonzo and has moments <laughs> of extreme violence and sexual weirdness and all this stuff. It's also surprisingly sweet in places, I think. Yeah, you know, there's I, a lot of heart in the movie, you know, with his wife. I mean, hmm. she's the heart of the movie. And as James said, I mean, you know, like, it's almost like if you look at casting directors that look at actors and they put you into boxes, okay? They put you into boxes. He looks like he could do this. He looks like he, he could play this character. And when you look at Fry Barry and you look at Gary Green, you look at his face and you go, bad guy. Guaranteed, he's definitely going to be the bad guy. He's not going to be the love interest in a romantic comedy or anything like that. He, he is a bad guy. And when the movie starts off, you're like, when we see Bastard Barry before he's been abducted, it's like you hate this guy and you, you think, fuck, how am I ever going to like this guy and follow this journey of this guy? But when he gets abducted, as James said, you begin to care for him. And he's, he's a nicer guy than the human Barry. So he becomes more human as he, as he learns and as he, as, you know, as he goes on and he mimics people and, he, and he's learning. And that's why, you know, Fry Barry isn't just like, it's, it's a genre mash of movies, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's, we have that horror side of Fry Barry. We have the sci-fi uh, part of Fry Barry. We have the comedy and dark humor. And, and there's even that love story with him and his wife and re reconnecting and her thinking he's really trying. He's really trying to be a good, you know, a good dad. And, and it's just because he's mimicking and he's, and he's learning and he becomes more human and a nicer guy throughout but even when he turns when he gets abducted and you know goes to the nightclub and he goes back with the one girl to the house still at that moment you think fuck what is he gonna do is he is he gonna is he gonna kill this girl is he you know he's still he's still a bad guy in in the audience's eyes and as time goes on you know we begin to like him and we begin to care for him and when he gets beaten up like we're like oh shit no like you know you begin to care for the character i think that's entirely true it made me think another maybe it's the soundtrack as well which sounds great and discordant um but so apex twin videos when he's got the top knot and he's dressed up like that then it, that kind of yeah. reminded me of some of the apex oh, yeah. twins creepy faces yeah. um yeah <laughs> in uh oh what's it called window liquor and things like that are you yeah, uh, yeah, is, yeah. That, is that yeah. something yeah. that was in your head or 
Um, not really. No, I, I, I am a fan of the. I am a fan of those yeah. videos and stuff. Uh, but I think it's one of those things. It's just Gary speaks. His face speaks for himself. You know what I mean? He's yeah, just yeah. got that iconic look and face. And, and, and as I said before, nobody looks like him. You know, nobody's going to go, hey, is that, is that Gary? And it's like, it's fucking definitely Gary. There's nobody <laughs> that, looks like, that looks like him. So and that's what's cool. And that's, that's what gives him uh, the edge. And again, this movie wouldn't work without, you know, w- w- without Gary. He is, he is Fry Barry. And, and, you know, saying what I said before, we built the movie around him to make it work. And, you know, some of the like best synopsis is, is like a one or two, you know, one, a one uh, two liner, you know, to describe the movie. And it's about a heroin addict that gets abducted by aliens. And we go on this road trip and, you know, instead of the car, like Barry's the car, where it's designed to go on, you, you know, for you to go on this journey with him. And, and that's the thing. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same without, without, uh, without Gary Green. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an just, urban road movie. It's, you know, finding your way through the seamy byways of Cape Town. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, um, it's great that even the plot surprised you while you were making it, like bringing in, bringing in the baby and then having, having that sort of fucked up redemption <laughs> yeah. at the end, yeah. which is really brilliant and understated, I think, because you, you don't even show, you just go, Barry? At the end, the way it cuts <laughs> up, I just love it. It's kind of like she's, and it kind of made me go, has she got, like, basically, is he kind of born again as a better Barry? Um, yeah. And is he then going to be father to, father, you know, is, is he yeah. going to be father I, I, to like Barry's child? That, Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always liked to think that even though Bastard Barry has taken that, like, back seat while this alien is, on, the, you know, on the go, that I, I, I kind of think that, you know, that bastard Barry's sitting there going, oh, I'm, I'm such a fucking horrible guy. I need to be better. <laughs> if, I, if I ever get out of this, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try be better, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think, he, you know, maybe, like you said, maybe, maybe he gets that, like, that, that second chance uh, to do it. But it, yeah, it's, it's just funny how Fry Barry came along and the story had developed as, you know, as we went. And, and as I said, it, you know, I could have, wrote or could have done all these other films and when when you make your first film it's such a you know when people make their first film they go oh you know it's got to be good and obviously it's got to be good it's your first feature but for me it was you know it's such an understatement when people say that it has to be the best fucking film that you've ever done that ever worked on otherwise what are you doing then then, you know there's no point unless you're going to go all out and when i knew when i had this idea I knew it was the right one to do compared to the rest because the other films I could have made well and could have made good, but it could easily get out there and get lost in that like B movie market. And, you know, some people yeah. might have saw it and, and check it out. But when I had the idea for Fry Barry, I just knew it is impossible for people, for this film not to go unrecognized in a sense yeah. of it's just batshit crazy and people will speak about it. And that's why I say, you know, even the people that will hate it, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a, and I really mean that it's a good thing because mm. the people that will hate it will talk about it. And without a doubt, they'll talk about it. And there's a lot to say. And other people that may read the, that review or, or hear about it will go, 
fuck, that sounds actually really good. I actually want to watch that movie. So yeah, yeah. I'd rather have somebody speaking about it, even if they don't like it, that there's a conversation. And that's why I always say, you know, I've said quite a few times in interviews now that, I mean, the amount of movies and content that is out these days, there's so, there's so much. And it's not like it was 20 years ago. So there's so many movies going on. And, you know, I'll sit there and watch 10, 15 or 20 minutes or a whole movie and go, oh, fuck that was shit. I'm not going to watch that again. And the thing is with that is that if I watch that shit film, I probably wouldn't even tell James about it if it's not a worthy conversation. So that's why I'm saying that people that don't like it will, will speak about it. And that's, that's an important, important thing. So yeah. what, we've, what we've found is that our target market, what, what it was designed for, absolutely love it. And then randomly in between that, there's, there's people that don't normally like this sort of film, but actually really liked it and really enjoyed it. And that's why it's jumped onto some other film festivals that is more higher tier because it's just like, it's not just a horror film. It's, it's, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been very interesting to see the different audiences. And we've had way more good than, than bad uh, people talking about it. So it's, it, it's good. So, I mean, the right people watch it will love it. And I think with Grimfest, I think um, that audience and that horror audience, they're the most, you know, they, they love those, those type of random crazy crazy movies yeah horror audiences are always they're underestimated by people on the outside but they're amongst the most sophisticated and yeah and open-minded of audiences because you just look at the programming for every film first every horror festival and you'll yeah. have zombie splattergore and then really arty yeah. you know i've watched every film at grimfest now and yeah. you guys uh you guys i'd say you guys are in the, the sort of top tier of films at the festival most definitely. Yours yeah, is somehow also grim and dirty and thought provoking. So you've got you've yeah. got everything sort of in the middle for me. I you know, it's a really, really cracking movie. And I was gonna say another thing I really like about it is a sort of I guess it makes sense now you've told us you were filming for over eighteen months, but you've got so many actors. Um and so many so many people who are in it for like a couple of lines, but everyone's everyone's everyone every sort of small character is really interesting. I mean, how did you, maybe this is something James is involved with as well, is how did you get, where did where did some of these people come from? I mean, the guy in the suit, um, who looks, he looks like he lives lives that way. Or is he an actor? The guy- He, he does. Oh, he does. yeah. The prophet. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he, he wears those clothes like every day. He's, yeah, he's, got yeah. about, he's got about 10 different like suits, but they're all designed like that with, Sometimes he's got like an all in red suit with a red hat and uh, he works at the local uh, cin- uh, cinema, doesn't he, James, at the, at the Labia in, in Cape Town. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he basically, he basically clips people's tickets at the cinema there. And then Ryan told me about him. He's like, dude, you have to meet this guy. He's like, he's so perfect. And I mean, Ryan kind of casts people like almost in like a Coen Brothers way where he grabs these like, very real like very unusual people and then puts them like so perfectly in these in these great roles mm. um but yeah just just talking back to like the, the the massive massive cast that we have you know there are like almost uh a hundred speaking roles in the movie and something that we touched on earlier is that a lot of these people uh that are you know these these tiny little bit parts 
they're some of the biggest actors in South Africa. Oh, wow. And that's, that's I, mean, I mean, it's obviously the irony is lost that you have like Gary, the extra acting opposite, um, you know, these, these very established actors who've been working in lead roles for years and years and years. Um, but, you know, the movie wouldn't have worked if we hadn't have had the, this amazing cast along for the ride. Um, because we had this like very loose improv based script, we needed those really experienced actors to step in and, and make it real. Cause yeah. if you kind of, if you got like actors of a lower caliber in and you told them like, okay, you kind of basically have to improvise the scene, then, you know, they wouldn't be able to hack it. They wouldn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Was, was there a sort of sense of people, you went to people and go, do you know, Gary, he's going to be a lead in a movie and everyone. <laughs> I've got to be. I've yeah, to be no, totally. <laughs> there the, the, the was my. See, the thing is, like James said, everybody knows who 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 uh, Gary is, and what was funny about it that because I've worked with Gary for about eleven years now. He's he's been an extra in all my music videos, and he you know he's got a, a little bit more featured part as time as time's gone on. But it's funny because it's like I was speaking to my one friend uh, Alex at the start and I, and I said, yeah, dude, I'm, gonna, I'm making my feature next month. And he goes, well, who's the lead? Because every actor, they want to be they want to be a lead in a movie. And he, he's an actor and he's like, well, who's your lead? And he knows who Gary is. And I was like, oh yeah, Gary's my lead. And he's like, Gary, Gary who? And I'm like, Gary. And he's like, dude, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm like, Gary, Gary. And he goes, what, Gary is your lead? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, how, 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 how is he your lead? And it's like, dude, he's perfect. And he goes, how's he gonna do it? And I'm like, dude, like I'm working very close with him, but he's perfect. He is absolutely perfect. There's no there's nobody better to do to do this role. And <laughs> and the other the other thing is about the cast. What James was speaking about, it was nobody auditioned for the movie. So all these actors, I chose them to do the certain parts, which I know that they would be great at. And I've worked with uh, probably about 95% of the actors uh, before. So there was just that five percent of other actors that I haven't, haven't worked with, wanted to work with, and have seen their work. And they were just amazing. I mean, all the characters were all cool characters. I mean, there could be so many like little side stories with all these characters because they were so, you know, they were so colorful and there was so, you know, there were just like, just so much detail in each, you know, in each character that it's almost like on some of the characters I wanted to see, I wanted to see them more, but it was about the journey and making an impression and him experiencing them and them experiencing him. And then it's the next, you know, it's the, it's the, the, the next character and so on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it works perfectly. And you can, uh, I can see myself working up some sort of, uh, so I write academically sometimes about uh, film, but I can see myself, you've, you've got it from the perspective of the, the fact that he's an extra works on a kind of meta level because you're seeing the marginalized people, and we're, we're, we're seeing a marginalized person in the film world, an extra center stage, and then these famous actors are the extras. Yeah. So it kind of works. Yeah. It works on a, yeah. So it works, it works on so many levels, as they say. But uh, yeah. I mean, that just kind of plays into like how we tried to basically break every rule in the book mm -hmm. when it came to this movie. I mean, like making a movie without a script is totally insane, but we just said mm -hmm. like, fuck it, let's do it. And I mean, that's the kind of place that all of the, the, the creatives on the film worked from 
I mean, for example, our DOP Gareth, he comes from, this is also his first feature film. He comes from a background shooting a lot of commercials. Uh, so everything's supposed to always look very clean and very neat. But then, you know, first day Ryan was like, nope, it's got to be dirty, dark, contrasty, disgusting. And, um, and yeah, same thing with like, for example, our, our colorist who also comes from a, um, a commercial background. Um, you know, like this, this film just gave everyone an opportunity to just totally take the brakes off and just try stuff they've never tried before. And in the end, when you combine that all together, you get a film that is quite unlike anything anyone's ever seen. Yeah, certainly. I absolutely loved it. It's, uh, it's uh, when I'm like you, like you say, Ryan, I'm going to be talking about this one a lot in a positive way, but uh, it'll be of all, of, of, of all the films I've seen recently, this will be the one going, I think you've got to go and see this. Um, and you, you might not like it, but you've definitely got to see it. And, uh, and I, I think it's going to be a Friday night movie for many years, I think. For lots yeah, of people. yeah, 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 no, it's, it's a fantastic film. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, has weirdly made me want to, I've never been to South Africa and I keep meaning to. It's weirdly made me want to go to Cape Town so I can kind of see, <laughs> walk around going. We'll take you on stuff. the Fried Barry tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think- So you uh, have worked for the tourism board after all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the your guy who tears the tickets at the cinema could lead the Fried Barry tour. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I, I'd pay top he's, he's, he's also a very crazy character. He's also yeah, a very yeah. crazy yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, no, no. There's, 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 there's so many, there's so many, so many great things in this film. It really is, really is an amazing film. But uh, so uh, I, but I think uh, we've uh, taken up enough of your time, and uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you both. And here's hoping COVID nineteen is in the rear view, and we can all meet at a future film festival in the flesh. Yeah, that'd great, be great if you guys could actually come to Manchester sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great. I'd, I'd really love that. Um, what might be cool, like what, what we want to do with some of these festivals is, we're gonna try and do a screening uh, with some of these festivals, like you know, in a year's time. But you know, obviously not in competition, but just you know, to see it on the big screen, mm -hmm. and those people that have been following it and want to see it on the big screen, it would be cool just to have that, you know, have that have that screening and and speak to all you know, the people that have been following our journey. And as I said, the response has been amazing. And it's very hard to keep, it, me and James found it, it's really hard to like, to keep up with all the press and everything that we had, that we have and, and posting out. It's just been amazing. And the amount of people that have reached out to us is insane. Like is, yeah. is completely insane, which it's is It's one of those once in a generation cult movies. So, uh, you know, so uh, well done, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, thanks very much. And as filmmakers, um, me and James, you know, we're we're so proud, so proud of the movie. And and as we always say, it's it's not just it's not just our work, you know, and it's not just my idea. It's it's bringing all those creative people together. And you know, when you when you're making a film, it's it's a collaboration. And and I I love the people that I work with. I love my my cast and crew. And they're, you know, they've brought so much to the film and like with Hazer, with the music and it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be the same. And all, all these actors and people that I work with is, uh, I admire their work. So even, I, I do have a, a big love for this, for, for my own movie, 
but it's because I, I admire all these actors and and these people, and it's great that it just happens to be that it's in you know it's in mine and James's movie. So yeah. it's 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 awesome to see all these all these people and all these creatives. I mean, the one day we were on set and we had ninety people on set, and I was looking around and I just thought, you know, this is amazing. Like everybody is here that wants to be here, and they they like even in South Africa, like in South Africa we don't make these type of movies like whatsoever. It's like definitely the first of its kind to come out of South Africa because we, we don't make movies like this at all. And as James said, you know, we broke so many rules and, I, and I've even struggled my whole career with doing what I want to do. And I've always been like, I can do what I want to do with like music videos and stuff like that. But at the same time, I've got a cater that it has to go on TV, that it has to match up with their music and the band and so on. So this was a project where me and James could go, whatever, we can do what we want. We don't have to answer to anybody. I've only got to answer to James and James has only got to answer to me. And we could just do what we wanted to do. So we made the film that we wanted to make and we tried our best to make something completely different. And I think as filmmakers, we live in the generation of like remakes and people making the same films, just it's not in the snow now, it's in the desert or, or whatever, or it's just a different title. Um, we wanted to make something that people re will remember and stand out. And as a filmmaker, I think it's important to, to, to do that. And that's why I said that there's, those are the scripts that I had, but there's nothing, they would have been good films, but there's nothing new about it. And that's why when I got the idea for Fry Barrett, I knew that I haven't seen this before. I, I, cool. I, I want to, I want to see this film. And it also makes you think about your next film and what, what you should be thinking about and bringing different to the table to cinema and not just doing a, a film because it's going to be good. You know, it's, it's, yes, Fry Barry is an unusual film and it's different. It's wacky and it's weird, but it's different. And, and I think as filmmakers, you've got to put that stamp on it and you've got to, you've got to change it up and, and make the audience talk about your film or otherwise, what are you doing? Why, why are you in the game? Yeah. No, it's a fantastic film, and uh, definitely, we'll we'll all be recommending it. People go oh, watch thank it. Thank you so much. Thank, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, it's been amazing. <laughs> what a start to a Sunday. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll rewatch it at some point, very soon. Brilliant. Yeah, thank Thanks, you, guys. Thanks again, guys. Thank, Cheers. Thank you, guys. Ryan. I love. It took me a while to clock the uh, baseball cap, but fantastic. Oh yeah. Like that. Of course. Yeah. Even, even this, okay. even the Zoom calls got Easter eggs. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it, and yeah, we look forward to the feedback from Grimfest and and everything. And uh, people that haven't checked it out, go watch it and let us know. Let us know what you think. Right, everybody. So that brings us to the end of our second. Grimfest preview episode. So you've heard chats about the movies They Reach, The Horror Crowd and Fried Barry. Ian and I are going to be back possibly tomorrow, certainly before the, um, the festival begins on Wednesday. We're going to release our third and final preview episode where we'll be discussing another four movies. We're still not going to cover every single movie in the festival because there's just so many but these are just some of the ones we talked to people about and which we found very interesting. So, yeah, um, hope you'll join us for that. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank I you very much, go. Ian. 
I want to go and watch Fried Barry again right now, but I can't. <laughs> I want to go and do a double bill of Australian films I really should have already seen and watch The Quiet that, Earth and Bad Boy I, Bobby. Go and get Bad Boy Bobby now. Mm. And, uh, let me know how it's aged because I've not seen that since it came out, I don't think. When did it come out? Oh, God. 1990. All oh, right. I'm going to Google it now. I'm going to say 1990. Bad Boy Bobby. I'm, I'm astonished it's 1993. that. 1993. Right. Is it that, is it that, that late? I've never heard of it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, it's a cracking movie, as I remember. But I probably haven't. No, God, I probably haven't seen it for over 20 years. Wow, so okay. So. Maybe, maybe it's the sort of film I'll go, oh my God, I, how do you even know? I can't believe I liked that. But uh... <laughs> It'd be a great discovery. Well, look, I, as far as Australian films from the early 90s goes, I've seen Body Melt, right? So I'm sure I get something out of Bad Boy Bubby. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yes, I might even have the DVD. I still, I still, I still, I still <laughs> something. Bad Boy Bubby, I still every so often quote one of his most foul-mouthed things which uh is the c word so i probably won't say it now but we don't like a smart cunt right he just that's one of his catchphrases (laughs) (laughs) so so uh you can beat that oh dear (laughs) well i think i'll have to i think i'll have to all right well thanks very much Ian. we don't like (laughs) (laughs) keep me it's good job i i use the beeper then as well um Okay, so yeah, thank you, Bella, and uh, I'll see you for the next one, and we'll absorb some more Growing First previews. Excellent. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, listeners. See you soon. You have been listening to, and now the podcast starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by Ian Winterton and T. D. Velasquez. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music, and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details or visit our Facebook pages at AndNowPod or at LeeCushingPod. Follow us on Twitter at AndNowPodcast or at LeeCushingPodcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash AndNowPodcast. And now the podcast stops.